We have been talking earlier about uh, the Olympic hockey program as well, and we'll get some CFL talk in with our next guest. You know him from calling NHL games and CFL games, and of course, back in the day, the golden goal, Mr. Chris Cuthbert on the line. Hello, sir. Hey, Hoagie. Good to be with you. We were talking about, uh, we had uh, Scott Salmond on, the VP of Hockey Outs from Team Canada. We were talking about uh, sort of the, the, the roster selection. I know this is a bit of a curveball for you, but you called the golden goal. No NHLers at this year's Olympics. How much do you think that'll hurt public interest in the tournament? Well, it's going to hurt it. I, I think uh, I think we're getting used to best on best and and uh, uh, best on best at three in the morning. It'd be a little more intriguing <laughs> than uh, than what we're seeing. But I, I don't want to diminish what what the Olympics can be without that because I I still think the tournament can be interesting. I uh, I, I think in the past, I, I mean, I got into the business. Uh, uh, around the, the the team in 1980, and I kind of uh, knew some players who were vying for to be on that team. So I took a great interest in the in the 1980 uh, Olympic team, and and uh, there were some guys like Glenn Anderson that ended up being yeah. pretty good NHL players. It became an avenue for them to come in. And 88 in Calgary, there were guys like Jim Poplinski and Andy Moog who. Uh, uh, took advantage of, of maybe a, a break in their pro schedule to uh, to to make sure they were they were involved. So and everybody remembers uh, Forsberg against Hirsch in uh, in, in uh, was it ninety two or ninety four ninety four I believe. Uh, uh, so the, you know there's. It 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 might usher in a a, a different level of, of of new stars or or pave the way for some players to uh, uh, to get to get involved. So uh, I I don't diminish. I, to me, the Olympics is the Olympics, and and it always will carry some significance. Here here, uh, let's get to uh, what you've been doing lately, and that's uh, covering the CFL. Fess up. Did you stay till the end of the game last night? Oh, absolutely, and uh, that uh, that might become the new game of the year. I. I, I mean, I mentioned it uh, the other night when we were doing the Argo game that uh, this has been the best first month of the year, and uh, and it, it's it's just been fantastic stuff. And and that finish, you know, I, I I don't think anybody you'd be lying if you said you could see it coming. But when they did score the touchdown with 44 seconds or whatever it was left, I thought, you know, knowing Mike O'Shea, I'd put money on O'Shea's. <laughs> Uh, ability to design a, a short kick that was going to work, and and he he just like he always does, he was thinking a little outside the box and and kicked it inside. And when they recovered, I I felt like you know what this is, uh, we're in for one of those uh, amazing finishes. Did you think the knee touched? I you know uh, on the on the actual game camera uh, when the play happened, I thought, geez, he didn't get in. But as I watched the replays, uh, I thought that's just an astonishing play. And I, I was thinking back, remember uh, Anthony Coombs in Regina. Uh, dived Absolutely. in Saskatchewan? I think he's done it again since then. But uh, uh, I do know, and, and anybody that follows me on Twitter might know, that uh, our, our producer in the truck last night uh, tweeted out, and I retweeted, that uh, he had gone through every replay they had in the truck, and none of them showed that Andrew Harris was down. It, it was, to me, an extraordinary play to get in the end zone. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's the first thing that I harken back to, and I mentioned it last night on Twitter as well, that it reminded me of that Coombs play where somehow he was able to keep his knee off the ground by, by diving forward. And that's, that's what I thought last night with Harris. And it was, it was a reward for people who stayed up late. And I, I like Milt's line last night on the panel when he said, how many people do you think were in their cars listening? 
to the game in, in Winnipeg and just how upset they were that they didn't stick it out until the end. Well, if, if you're watching the highlights again uh, later on, take a look at the crowd, even with the short kick. I mean, that building emptied out in a hurry. And, and you know, it's a, as you know, it's a tough drive out of there yeah. after the game. But uh, So people were trying to get a head start, and I'm sure there was lots of disappointment. But they were a lot more disappointed that they missed it than, uh, than uh, when, when they were disappointed their team was down by a couple of scores. I just feel disappointed for whoever got the cab driver we had last year because he tried to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I don't think that's a one-off in any city in this country. Here, here. You called the game that featured the 96-97 reunion in the uh, Argos and Red Blacks last week. Uh, how much did you enjoy not only the game but the reunion? Oh, it was great stuff. Great memories. And, and you know, I, I, uh, uh, I enjoyed it more, kind of savored listening to, to Doug Flutie and Pinball and, and some of the other guys even more than I expected uh, it was a unique group, and uh, to see the energy, I, I was worried that they were going to try and storm the field and, and play the second half the way <laughs> Pinball was firing them up. But uh, obviously that was a special group, and, uh, and, and the city was lucky to have, and the team was lucky to have that, that kind of caliber personality as well as, uh, as talent back then. And, and uh, it was special to see. And, and Doug's on a reunion tour because he's actually in Calgary this weekend for the uh, uh, the 25th anniversary <laughs> of, of uh, the 92 Cup in Calgary. Um, what's your vivid mem- memory of Doug Flutie's era in Toronto? I've, I've talked to several people about that, and everybody seems to have a different lasting image of Doug Flutie in Toronto. What's yours? Uh, I, I guess mine is kind of blended because I, 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 I seem to do all of his Calgary games for so many years. Yeah. Uh, and and for me, the memory of Doug Flutie is is more uh, Flutie to Pitts uh, than anything else. Sure. But but uh, the, the, it was almost unfair in Toronto. The and I guess in Calgary there was the same level of of surrounding cast or supporting cast. But uh, uh, for me, it was always his escapability. His uh, it looked like he was improvising, and and I thought pinball was was great this week talking about how it looked like he was just drawing it up like in the sand but it was it was educated it was researched it was uh it was all about preparation but uh it was amazing that uh you know the way the x's and o's are designed that it's 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 one-on-one and somebody's got to take the quarterback and the guy that has the quarterback could never get Doug Flutie and he always seemed to escape and and make something uh, out of nothing. So uh, um, I don't know if that's an Argo memory, but uh, for for me, it, it you know Doug's Doug's uh, legacy will be as as the best because of that escapability and and the way he always just made something happen. But the, you know the, there is a Toronto angle to that, and you talk about the preparedness. Danny Webb, who's the longtime equipment manager here in Toronto, uh, said that at one point, and don't forget this is pre iPad and being able to take the stuff home with you on your computer. Uh, they had to cut Doug a key because Danny was tired of getting phone calls early in the morning, like 2 in the morning from Doug, you know, not being able to sleep and saying, I need to see this play against Winnipeg. I need to see it now. And Danny have to go down and open up the facility. So he just yeah, there's cut a key. Yeah, story of him breaking in, I guess. Uh, but, uh, and Danny mentioned that to me, too. He said that uh, what Doug's usual routine was, that he'd, he'd go home, have a, have a meal after the game, and then, and then head right back to the... And that, I kind of brought that up in the interview with him uh, when we had him in the third mm-hmm. quarter, that... 
that's pretty, you know, astonishing stuff for a guy who almost made it look too easy in the league. That the Doug Flutie, with all the talent, with all the numbers, all the records, never took anything for granted. He always still continued to outwork everybody else, and uh, and that's pretty impressive. And you mentioned the X's and O's Sandlot thing. Uh, I remember to play in Regina, where they used to use a, the the shovel pass to Robert Drummond as a uh, as a as a staple. He was a six foot three running back. And there was a play in Regina where Flutie faked the toss. Drummond went up the A-gap anyway. And then Flutie took two more steps back and pitched it to Pinball, who was lined up in the slot, and he followed Robert Drummond up the middle. And I asked Drummond the next day, I said, I hadn't seen you guys work on that at practice all year. When did you put that in? And he, he started laughing. He said, Flutie made it up in the huddle. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said he got down on a knee, and it was like we were playing in a schoolyard. He made the X's and O's, and he was saying, okay, you do this. And he's pointing out the, the, you know, the spot on the field with his finger. And he said Flutie basically came up with that on the fly in the huddle. You know, they, they were so good in 96, 97. I, and I've told this story before, that my biggest memory of the 97 Great Cup was when the game was well out of reach, Flutie connected with pinball down the far sideline or whatever, and it looked like he might be able to go in and score. It was definitely going to be another big play, and and pinball was such a nice guy that uh, he he actually turned back and, and basically looked like he on purpose cut back into traffic just to not rub it in anymore. So yeah. uh, that's that's how good they were. They could just toy with the opponents. Chris Cuthbert joining us from the CFL on TSN. What do you think of this year's edition of the Argos? You know, I, I think they're the biggest surprise in the league, um, and and I it, it's it, I, I don't think we were surprised that a match of Mark Tressman and, and Ricky Ray was going to work yeah. because it, it it really was a perfect combination. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it, they put a defense together. Now, obviously, it took some hits on Monday night, but they put a defense together in a hurry that is. Uh, that's uh, pretty stout, pretty impressive, and um, you know I think the Armonte Edwards acquisition was uh, was terrific. S.J. Green obviously was a, a steal as, as Bear Woods was, but uh, I think the work Jim Pop and Mark Dressman have done in a short period of time is pretty extraordinary. It, it shouldn't happen that way. How many times when we talk to to athletes and coaches? Well, you need some cohesion, and it takes time to gel. And when Josh Mitchell went down in the in the in the backfield early, uh, they've been starting nine new starters from a year ago. Um, you know, Marcus Ball had played here, Cleon Lang had played here, but did not play here last year. Nine new starters, and I I don't know how a defense is supposed to gel that quickly, but somehow they have. Well, maybe because they're veteran guys. I mean, Bear Woods is one of the top guys in the league, Marcus Ball. I put Marcus Ball on my top 50 list and actually felt guilty about it because he hadn't played in the league in three or four years, and I thought maybe I was showing some disrespect to other players in the league. And then I watched Marcus Ball play for a couple weeks and thought, you know what, I I wasn't wrong. Uh, uh, But there's there's some veteran guys back there that – have been able to to pull it all together and and I don't want to sound like I'm shilling for the team Hoagie but you know this and and uh, I I hope some fans know this that we go, we get to meet with the players you know a, a number of players so we we get uh, extended uh, visits with each week mm-hmm. and the quality of person that is in the Toronto camp and I I'd say it 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 is common across the league it's it's not just in Toronto but uh when you get a chance to meet with guys like uh, Marcus Ball and Devere Posey and Victor Butler and 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 the list goes on, that's that's a very quality 
group of people, and, and that's I know what that's what Mark Tressman yeah. looks for. And uh, again, to be able to put that collection of people together as quickly as as they've done is is very impressive. Enjoy the game and enjoy draining the uh, the draft lines after the game. <laughs> no, uh, yes, yes. I'm in. Actually, I'm in in Edmonton tonight. So you, you're 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 a day ahead of me there. I was wondering if if, if I would if I'd miss something at Commonwealth, <laughs> but we'll we'll uh, we'll remember that for for tomorrow night too. Awesome. Be well, CC. Talk soon. Thanks, Hoagie. That is Chris Cuthbert joining us from the CFL on TSN and the rougher They've got uh, this new stadium, spectacular stadium in Regina. And they don't have the taps at every beer outlet. They've got this giant set of tubes running through the stadium with, with ice-cold beer in it. It's, it's an interesting process.